and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Osband, our daf of the day, Masaka Bevakama, daf Lamed Bet, page 32. 32 opens in the middle of a Mishnah. So I'm going to begin the Mishnah at the bottom of the previous daf. Zebab, sorry, We're talking about a regular case of damage. Um, we're going to, of course, see different permutations about it, how it will become less and less regular. But in this case, we have a person who comes into the public domain and he has a barrel, he's carrying a barrel, and another person comes into the public domain and he's carrying a beam, um, you know, like a beam for construction. Now they collide and the barrel breaks because of the beam. Now, the, the mission here says that the owner of the beam is patur, is exempt, he does not have to pay. Why? Because each of them has the right, an equal right, to be walking in the public domain in exactly the place where they are. It happens to be that it doesn't work to be, you know, two people in the same place simultaneously, but they both have the right to be there. And because the person with the beam has the right to be there, he doesn't have to pay anything to the person who had, who's Barrel has now been damaged by that beam. However, the Mishnah goes on. We have another case. If the person with the beam entered the public domain first and the person with the barrel entered the public domain second, and again, the barrel broke you know, because of the beam. So a second case where the owner of the beam would be exempt from having to pay, why? And you might think, well, he's there first, right? He should be the careful one. The mission says the, the exact opposite. Um, we'll see it in a moment. However, if the in the event of the person with the beam stopping short, you know, as he's walking, he stops. Now the person with the barrel walks into him and the barrel is broken. Now the owner of the beam is obligated to pay damages. Now, the difference here seems to be a matter of um, the obligation of the person behind to pay attention to what's going on in front of him. So the person with the barrel comes in second. He needs to make sure that he knows the lay of the land, and he needs to make sure that if the person in front of him is going to stop short, that he's on you know on his toes to make sure that he also stops short. I I think it's kind of the opposite of what I know of at least in Western society from driving. Right when you if you, God forbid, rear-end somebody, you're always obligated. Right? It's always your fault. Unless, no, there's no unless. Meaning, even if the person in front of you step, stopped short, you, the rear-ender, are, are the one in, in trouble. Um, in this case, it's not like that. It says the person in front of you stopped short, you behind, you know, you, oh, maybe it is exactly the same thing. You need to make sure that you are, you know, you're protecting yourself and not coming to damage, you're not going to get paid um, for that kind of damage. Now, the mission goes on. What if they're in the reverse order? And the person with the barrel is comes into the public domain first, and the person with the beam comes in second. And the barrel again breaks because of the beam. Now the owner of the beam would have to pay. But if the person with the barrel stops short, now, then the person with the beam not to pay um, because, right, so he says, it, it's like saying, um, 
if the owner of the barrel stops, the person with the beam is exempt. Why? For breaking the barrel because it was his own fault for stopping short, right? And the person who stops short with, with no such warning or that kind of thing is, a, you know, is, is left with no devices, basically. He's not going to get any compensation. Did I miss this line above? Pardon me, right? The idea is that in either case, if the person who is in the public domain first um, walks, stops short, but then calls out stop to the person who's coming behind him, now we revert the case back as if he hadn't stopped short because he took care of making sure, you know, he's responsible to make sure that the second person would know to be wary, to be on his guard and to not bump into him. And likewise, and the mission kind of says, and remember all those other cases that we've already seen, in particular, it mentions the case of the flame and the flax, and we talked about Hanukkah about this, you know, a couple of times already, where there are plenty of other cases where the own, you know, where the situation of damages would have nothing to do with Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah is the exceptional case, but I think that it's the one that sticks in our minds. So when the Mishnah re- refers back to Nair and Pishtan, you know, a candle, a flame, and flax, we automatically think of the exceptional case, again, where the shopkeeper um, has his candle in the public domain because of Hanukkah and therefore would not be liable for paying what he would otherwise have to pay. Okay. Now, all of this is about, you know, different cases of damages that can happen in the public domain. What the Gemara does next, what the Gemara does on the Mishnah, instead of, you know, parsing, you know, whose opinion is according to, or what are the words of the Mishnah mean, or something like that, it brings us a completely parallel and somewhat difficult case. So Rabbi Barnatan asks of Rav Huna the following, You have a man, a husband here, who causes injury to his wife during sexual intercourse in their bed. Mahu, what's the halacha? Kevan de brashutka avid patur, odilma ibayale liyune. Is it the situation where he has the right to be there, his permission to be there with his wife in their bed, right? And therefore he would not have to pay any damages. Or would we say, no, he should have been more careful and he should therefore have to pay damages. So the Gemara here is bringing this and we acknowledge that it's kind of a strange parallel to bring, but the you know in an attempt to line it up with that first case in the Mishnah where both the man, the person, with the barrel and the person with the beam have equal right to be in the exact same place at the exact same time. And of course, then there's a collision of one of them, you know, theoretically would have to pay, but in fact does not have to pay because of having that right. So the Gemar brings this as a possibility to say, well, doesn't this line up in that same way? Amr Lay, so Rav Huna says to Rabbi Barnatan, you learn this halakha, right? This same thing. He refers back to our Mishnah to say, well, they both had permission to walk in the exact same place. And likewise, right, the husband has permission to sleep with his wife. So in that case, if he injures her, he should be exempt. He should not have to pay any damages. But Rava disagrees. We have a Kalvachomer. The logic of a Kalvachomer is going to be applied here. Right? 
So let's understand what this case is, right? It says we're talking. It's a. It's a. It's an example, really, of manslaughter, right? Unintentional uh, killing, right? Where one person goes into the forest and he goes in with his neighbor, and they're going to chop wood, and the axe breaks, and the blade of the axe, you know, flies off and kills the neighbor, the friend, whatever, and that person dies. Well, then the person who owns the axe needs to like run away to an ear miklat to a city of refuge so that you know he so that the avenging relatives don't come after him and kill him they have the right to do that so the gemara the gemara here says in this forest right you have a person entered the domain and that person entered the domain and it's the domain is a public domain but it seems like it's you're in a private domain but it's really a public domain so if you kill one who kills unintentionally is considered like one who ends up in another person's domain. And therefore, that's like that's why the liability enables him to run to the city of refuge. Um, so in this case, right? So let's come back to our to the Hebrew, the Gemara. Meaning if you're going to talk about going into another domain that is fundamentally a public domain, what about in this case where... The husband, who is in fact truly, forgive me for forgive the Gemara, right? For the for the formulation is entering another domain, meaning his wife, right? Then all the more so, he should be liable for the injury that he causes her. Meaning, if you're going to talk about the forest, which is like an amorphous kind of public public domain that feels like a private domain, all the more so here, where he's clearly. Um, within her her Dalit Amot, her private space, her personal space. The Gemara doesn't like this. The Gemara basically reminds us that this is, you know, it's parallel to the case where both people have the right to be in the same place at the same time. The Gemara says, no, no, they're, they're different. The Gemara says, well, the cases are different because they're in the Mishnah, where both people had the right to be in the exact same place at the exact same time, they're both actively doing the exact same thing, namely walking with their respective items. But in this case, only the husband is really the active actor, right, during the sexual act. And therefore, meaning he's liable, even though he has a permission to be there, he has the right to be there, but they're not active in the same kind of way. Now, that could be a whole other conversation, but the point here is that the Gemara draws a distinction between the level of responsibility for the person who fundamentally causes damage. I want to say, you know, we think here, this is not, um, God forbid, this is not an act of rape, right? This is in presumably inadvertent damage, the same way that the case in the Mishnah, is. nobody's trying to damage, to harm the other person not the in the marital bed and not in the not the people with their barrels and their beams. Um, okay. Yordina, I think I'm gonna turn this over to you. Okay. I mean I, I think it's a very strange case what they do with uh you know about the idea that this husband could some you know injure his wife uh uh you know during uh you know during intercourse and I, I, I can't help but think also of the case we saw previously where, you know, a husband, uh, sorry, a man falls into a woman. I, there's something here that the DAP is working through in these cases 
I think recognizing some type of imbalance or the potential for injury or dare I even say violence during during sex. I, I, I just these cases are so bizarre how they're discussing them with me that I almost wonder if that's what the doc is trying here in its own way. Well, the the bit of the Gemara that I didn't read right after this, right, goes on to talk about how both both participants in the marital bed, you know, will will or can find it to be pleasurable, right? That it's not necessarily a matter of damage, um, and then and that's when it comes back to say, but indeed, only the husband is is active in the way of causing damage. So, I hear what you're saying. I do. I just I'm not sure that I would call it violent in that sense because. Because I, I, I think it's inadvertent. Meaning the fact that somebody yeah, can harm case, another person. Not as much. I would say that more about the other case. Um, but it, you know, about that case we had with the fall. Right. I, I hear why you say that about that word, but I, I guess it's the idea that it has a potential for injury. That's what I would say. There's a potential for injury yeah. that the Gemara recognizes that it's trying to explore in Babakama. I'm waiting for the wife who comes to collect damages. Can you imagine if the wife comes to collect damages? Right. Okay. I'll move on to the other two Mishnahs here. And it's almost as bizarre as that Mishnah is and what the Gemara does with it. Then we have this Mishnah where the Gemara does something almost nice with it in like a total 180 sort of way. So here the Mishnah describes the following case. Right, two people are walking in the, you know, Rashuda Rabbim in the public area. One's running, one's walking. Or they're both running. And they damage each other. They're both not liable to pay damages. And so the Gemara from here gets into this uh, discussion where quotes a Mishnah, that this Mishnah isn't according to the opinion of the Tana Isi Ben Yehuda, the Tanya Isi Ben Yehuda Omer, because he taught in a brisa, rats chayami peneshu mishunah. Somebody who runs is chayav because he's acting irregularly. Meaning, running is not, you shouldn't walk quickly, you shouldn't be running in a public area because of course there's more of a chance that you're going to hit somebody or damage them or fall into somebody or something like this. Except for, be'erev Shabbat be'nashmashot shehu pator. But, if you did this on Bein meaning right on Erev Shabbat, right before Shabbat was going to start, your petor because there he runs with permission. And uh, like I said, this might know. be my new favorite statement to the Gemara ever, right? It's in recognition of the fact that everybody is always rushing right before Shabbat. Right. You're going to be, you're allowed to run. Right. But the Gemara just said even more interesting with it. So Rabbi Yochanan comes. He says that he agrees with halachas like him. Then they want to know, did Rabbi Yochanan actually say this? And then finally, the Gemara says later on, the Arab Shabbat might be Rashut Eka. Right. What permission is there to run on Arab Shabbat? And then the Gemara goes into like sort of like beautiful, mystical <laughs> Arab Shabbat stuff. Where it's seen before in Masachat Shabbat. I believe it ends up Kuf said on 119 which talks about this custom of greeting the Shabbat queen. And that the idea here is, is that what are you running to do? You are running to greet the Shabbat, you know, the, the Shabbat. Kid to Rabbi Hanina, right? So this running is like what Rabbi Hanina talked about to Amar Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said, right, come and let us go out and greet the bride, the queen. The Imri Lali Krat Shabbat Kalama Kata. 
And others would say that you'd say to greet the Shabbat, uh, the uh, the bride, the queen. Rabbi Yanai mitzatef hakai. Rabbi Yanai would cloak, you know, would wrap himself um, and then and would stand and say ba'amar bo'ikala bo'ikala, right? Which is what we say when we say lechadodi today. And essentially, describing sort of the earliest sources that we have for Kabbalat Shabbat, right? This idea that we sort of greet the Shabbat queen before the actual Shabbat uh, starts, what we know became very popular, Kabbalat Shabbat by the Kabbalists in Sfat. Um, but uh, here we see the Gemara description of some form or of early practice of it. So I, it's striking to me because we go from like this super bizarre case between a husband and wife, and then we come to this case about you know, the second case of injury where we pivot onto talking about uh, the Shabbat and we describe her as a kala. So I, I, again, we're in the pace of the daf, but I think if I had time, you know, if I was in graduate school, I would write a paper here about like the use of women or how women are being depicted on this particular daf. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Okay, now let's get to the last Mishnah here. Um, which starts with So somebody chops wood, they're in the Rashud HaRabim, and it injures somebody in, the, in their Rashud HaYachim, right? Like a piece of wood splinters off, the axe handle, you know, flies off, and it hurts somebody else. Or or somebody's chopping wood in, in a private domain, right? Usually we would think it would be his own, and then it damages somebody in the public domain. Or they're in a private domain, chopping wood, and it damages somebody in a different private domain. Chayab. The answer is, is they are chayab, right? They are liable in, in those situations. The Gemara starts off by explaining why we need all three of these specific cases. Uh, why it wasn't enough to just have one of those cases. Um, and then from there, they quote a brisa, right? That gives a different type of liability. Because Tanu Rabbanan Right, here it's the case where you enter somebody's pursuit that you did not have permission to go into. So here the case is the shop of a carpenter. And a chip of wood flies off and strikes this person in the face and he dies. Pator, the carpenter is not liable, right? He, he's pator. But if he went in with permission, then the carpenter would actually be chayab. Uh, the Gemara wants to say why that is, right? My chay- well, they want to know what my chayav means. What what, are, what is he liable for? I'm a Rav Yosi Bar Chanina, chayav ba'arbadvarim patur migalut. So Rav Yosi Ben Chanina says he's liable for four things. We've talked about this before, that there are five different types of damages that one would have to pay. So here he would be liable for the damages, uh, for uh, anything medical, for loss of wages, um, and also for pain, he would not be liable to pay for boshet for humiliation. Weren't before, right? This was on Dab Chavab on 26. Boshet is only paid, humiliation is only paid if you intentionally hurt somebody. But he's pator from Galut, meaning if he accidentally killed the person, right? If the when this accident happened, the carpenter killed the person, he would not have to go to one of these cities of refuge, he would not have to go to the ear for accidental death, for negligent death. Why? Because it doesn't compare to the example of the forest. When the Torah teaches this halacha of having to go to 
uh, the Irmik Lot, right, for a death that's called by negligence. So it's taught in Devarim in chapter 19. Um, the example that it gives is a case of a forest, right? A forest, and somebody kills them with an, an axe in the forest. Another person kills them in the forest. And the point the Gemara makes here is, the, what the, the, what's interesting about this case of the forest is both of them, right, the person who accidentally did the killing and the victim, both had equal right to be in that forest. So when someone gets hurt, it's not like somebody was in somebody else's uh, domain or something like that. They both had permission to be there. This case that we have the Bryce where somebody enters somebody's store, you entered somebody else's reshoot. And so that's very different. Zel reshoot. So, you know, Ya'ir Zel reshoot, right? We said this, that each one have Zel reshoot Whereas in the Bryce's case, the victim went into his fellow man's reshoot. And so therefore he's patur from having to go to Galut because in a way it was like, even though an accident happened and even though he may have been negligent, it it, it still was on, it, it was in his reshoot. Um, uh, you know, uh, it was still in his reshoot. Ravid's going to object to this. He doesn't like it. They're going to, you know, then go through a whole discussion. There's a lot of Gamari here that I'm skipping. It's definitely... Uh, definitely should look uh, to look at it. Um, and they also come up with some other types of uh, uh, cases as well uh, to discuss, uh, you know, the case of somebody throws a stone and kills somebody, um, you know, things like this. But I think the whole idea here is, is that we're sort of seeing uh, cases here on this particular top that kind of deal with like, look, people are going to be in public together or things are going to happen. And where are the lines of like, negligence versus, you know, accidents just happen. Um, and I think that's a lot of what the, the Mishnahs are, are trying to explore here. I think it's really interesting how much the cities of refuge pop up here, um, which makes sense if you're talking about, you know, manslaughter, whatever. But it's not what I was necessarily expecting when we begin with a discussion of, you know, your beam hit my barrel and who has to pay. Well, well, let's be honest. None of the, the none of the discussions of the Gemara here on any of these missions is where we thought it would take us. Right, right. That's true. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenant Michelle Farber for hosting us on Hadra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 